It's that time of the week when we bring you another CEO. Today's CEO is Ryan O'Grady, the CEO of Kush Holdings and also the acting CEO of Kush Bank, South Sudan. He talks about diversification in the banking sector and the growth he hopes to see in South Sudan. Good morning, Africa, and welcome aboard your pulse and everything business. In Africa, I am Ritha Dong. For more, follow us on Twitter at The K Financial and you can find me at Ritha Dong. Who is Ryan O'Grady? Tell us about yourself and your background. Happy to tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, Canadian by birth. Uh, I've had the privilege of, of living and working uh, in a number of countries around the world, primarily in the area of uh, project development and financial services. Uh, here in, in Africa, I've been uh, privileged to work in Somalia and Uganda, Kenya, uh, in the north and Somaliland as well and now to call South Sudan my home. Uh, I've been coming and going from, from Juba and, and uh, the country for about seven years. And since uh, earlier in 2022, I've, I've had the privilege to serve as acting CEO of Kush Bank. And uh, I've been enjoying uh, getting out across the country, seeing our branches, meeting people uh, throughout the, the land and uh, learning more about, uh, about this incredible uh, nation. Talk to us about Kush Bank. As for Kush Bank, yeah, we're 10 years old as a national uh, financial institution here in South Sudan. So uh, during that time, we've, we've developed uh, six branches across the country. Uh, we're opening three more now, and we just approved yesterday at our board meeting two more. So this year, we'll double our footprint, basically, in, uh, in this country. And uh, we're, we're trying to take financial services deeper into the communities that we're supposed to be serving as a national bank. Uh, we're working hard uh, to offer relevant products and services to to help people uh, as the country develops and to build trust and confidence in the financial service. And uh, as as I'm so fond of saying, you know, we're, we're not about talking the talk, but uh, our bank is about walking the walk and, and showing uh, our clients and, and stakeholders on a daily basis that uh, they can trust with us, they can work with us, and that we truly take a partnership approach uh, to finance and, and development here in South Sudan. What does your move from Kush Bank to Kush Holdings mean? I'm thrilled to chat about Kush Holdings. It's something that we're incredibly excited about. You know, for a national bank in South Sudan to be moving beyond its, its national roots uh, onto the, the international stage, this is a big deal. And, and we're thrilled that, you know, we have a board uh, that sees the vision, that embraces it, and that we have stakeholders uh, globally who, who get what we're trying to do. Uh, but ultimately, it's about growth. My role at Kush Bank has been to lead change. We're 10 years as a national institution. We're as old as the country itself. Our board looked at the country, the, Democrat, the, the, the trends going on at the moment, and determined that now was the time for a significant shift in our strategy. We had been, as most banks, primarily engaged in a humanitarian strategy. That was essential uh, at the founding and, and initial years of, of, of South Sudan. Now we're moving beyond that. We're talking a humanitarian strategy, but also a development strategy. So coming in that context, my goal was about modernization. My goals included international standards for a national bank and creating a suite of products to ensure relevance and impact because that's what it's all about. We need offerings that meet the needs of our clients across the country. Now, secondly, 
Financially, I want us to be the strongest and most regulatory compliant national bank in the country in 2023. I've given my personal assurance to the governor of the Bank of South Sudan, and we're walking that walk every single day in terms of how we approach every transaction, how we save for our bottom line, and how we reinvest in branch development, digital partnerships, and building international uh, stakeholder groups. Our partners domestically and our stakeholders internationally need to see this. It's vital to walk this walk. So on both of these, those plans are now in place. The strategy is already being executed and it's being done ahead of schedule. So what now? Now we need a strong and vibrant national managing director, someone who understands the country, understands the financial sector, and can continue to implement the strong strategy that's already in place. That MD will report to me at the group level, and together, hand in hand, we're going to implement this agenda. My role at group uh, is to help unlock the regional investment, international trade, and global tie-ups that are needed to help South Sudan grow exponentially in the years ahead. That's why we're talking about $75 million energy value chains and $30 million agricultural uh, value chains in this country. This is what we're tackling. We're fighting well above our weight class as a national bank, but that's because we've looked beyond our borders. We've brought in the expertise needed to raise this type of capital. We've brought in the project management and project development teams that have done this in other countries like Pakistan and Canada, who understand extension farming uh, at a technical and an operational and a delivery level. Those resources can be difficult to find, but thanks to a regional strategy, we've had the, the ability to go out bring those people on board and get them working hard on, on these projects at, South, at uh, Kush Bank. Now, in addition to all of this, there's been two areas causing a bottleneck, access to credit and access to markets. So Kush is actively engaged on both a credible office in Dubai to set up regional opportunities, markets and investments from the private sector, and to access credit at responsible rates in South Sudan to facilitate growth of national SMEs, as I mentioned earlier. So this regional strategy really goes hand in glove uh, with what we're looking to achieve as a strong national bank, building strong projects, implementing, creating shovel-ready solutions uh, that we take some front-end risk on. Of course, that's our role as a national bank. And then through our regional uh, offices, we're able to engage strong international partners to come in and scale those projects up with us. So uh, the regional role is going to be an important one. But, you know, but by no means does it mean I'm going to be spending uh, no time in South Sudan. It's still a country that I consider home and I hope to consider home for a very long time. What are some of the changes you would like to see in your industry? I'd love to see a financial sector that's more focused on inclusion. We in South Sudan have one of the lowest rates of participation in the financial sector in the world. And that's just not acceptable. We need to be reaching farther into communities to ensure that we're communicating clearly the benefits and the impacts of taking part in the formal banking sector, as well as the benefits of financial inclusion generally. At Cush, we're taking some strong steps in this regard. But, you know, to really create a, an impact, we need to build across institutions and, and across uh, communities in order to create an ecosystem to support these measures. Now, in our institution, some of those steps include doubling our branches in this year, uh, engaging the energy sector and the agricultural sector, because it's vital to, to tap these markets in order to create value chains. You can't grow a nation without access to energy. 
And you can't feed a nation without sustainable agricultural projects that are both commercially focused and extension-based. We have to build communities along with these projects. Uh, additionally, in terms of changes we want to see in our industry, building a digital platform has been a priority for Cush Bank. Uh, internet banking, mobile banking, as well as partnering up with the telco sector, because ultimately it's how we deliver these digital products that matter. So our friends at Zane, our partners at MTN, we aim to be a stronger part of that mobile money ecosystem that's still in its its infancy, really, uh, in South Sudan. But we're, we're thrilled to have strong partners. And as a financial community, I think that we are all rallying around this to see how we can work strongly with uh, our mobile network operators to create something sustainable and impactful. Of course, building communities is a key element of banking, particularly for an indigenous bank such as Kush. We need to structure more trade finance, particularly at a micro and SME level, uh, and outside of the capital. We got to work up country. You know, we have to help local traders step onto the ladder of economic growth and stability. I recently traveled to Yambio, uh, which is in Western Equatoria in uh, South Sudan. It's a solid community, good trading routes. Uh, they're near one of our, our external borders. And the governor there kindly set me up with a dozen local traders. So they're, they're from Yambio, they're from the region, and they're South Sudanese. The first thing they said to me was they never expected in their lives to meet the MD of a bank. Now, how is that possible? In a country of our size that we're not reaching out into these communities, that we're not doing these visits, that we're not engaging meaningfully with our clients. The second thing was they had no access to any kind of credit facilities. Their average ticket was well above 100,000 USD. They're self-financing. They're doing it on a cash-based business. This is extremely difficult to do, even to assemble that kind of, of cash, uh, but then to be entrusting it on a transaction-by-transaction -transaction basis where you have some insecurity on the roads. You're, you're looking at long, long uh, payback periods. Uh, these folks, you know, they're really at the, the front edge of risk. Uh, so when we talk about creating financial solutions and credit solutions, that's where we're looking. We're looking into the communities we serve, not just the capital that we sit in. Also, we're in a country with, you know, the majority of our population is youth. And we have the highest level of women-led households globally. Therefore, we have to look at banking products, particularly responsible credit, that is specifically geared to these groups. As I mentioned at Oil & Power this month, we cannot develop an energy sector without the strong participation of the national SME sector. And we can't develop the SME sector unless we're developing products that are geared towards youth-led and women-led businesses. So in developing this sector around energy, it isn't just about them winning contracts, right? It's about financing those contracts and the inputs and, and the operating capital needed to move forward. And that's where national banks should be coming in and taking a lot of that frontline risk and developing workable credit solutions, responsible credit solutions that can help uh, develop this national SME sector. Let's talk diversification of banking in Africa. Are the banking products inclusive enough to ensure everyone is part of the money economy? Well, when it comes to diversification of banking in Africa, you know, I can, I can speak from, from the South Sudanese perspective. And we need to do more when it comes to diversification of banking. We need to look at our partners and, for instance, the fintech space or telco and see what new methods of delivery and partnership are available. 
we need to apply more nimble techniques to product structuring so that we can be faster to market, so that we can use technology to speed up the pace of trade, as well as the settlement of transactions. I focus a lot on access to finance for women because in South Sudan, we have the highest rate of women-led households globally. That means that women are, statistically speaking, bigger contributors to household income than in other neighboring countries. But these same women lack access to financial services. Now, in my opinion, it's not a matter of marketing. It's a matter of looking at access to services through an independent lens. These products and services are geared to male-dominated audiences. In order to make them relevant, we need to look through a women-focused lens and develop solutions that align with actual needs. This means we have to go back to the drawing board on how we create these products. What are the terms? What are the conditions? How does a woman successfully gain access to credit in South Sudan today? And, and what approvals does she need uh, to do that? So we're, we're striking you know, working groups. We're working with the community. We have strong uh, female leadership at our board level, at our executive committee level, and as well as our branch uh, management level. So we're trying to tie all of this together. Uh, to really understand, you know, at a macro level, but also at a micro or a grassroots level, how we can create meaningful products and services. Because it's not only the product, it's also the service, how we deliver this that makes the difference. Understanding the the, the trip or, or the journey that a woman has to take from Juba to Kampala to buy her goods and the risk that she has to take in carrying that money on her person versus some very simple products that we could design, particularly with the telco sector, uh, can make a huge impact. It creates security, both economic and physical. So these are the type of things that we're looking at through this independent lens going forward. We're also collaborating with great groups such as UNFPA, Mahamera, and engaging with many women-led businesses. So this is something we have to get right. It's something we need to ensure we lay a strong foundation for women to do more easily confidently and securely access financial services. Now, separate to the women focus uh, in terms of our business, we're just doing a lot of basics, which, which don't seem to be widely available. Clear and timely access to credit, transparency on decision-making, loans being approved in under one week, uh, a focus on particular sectors so our clients can align with where we're focused uh, at a national level uh, in terms of meeting their credit needs. And also, we just operate differently. I don't just want to know what my clients' needs are today. I want my entire team to understand your business model, your medium and your long-term goals. Some of these projects that we're financing take, you know, anywhere from 8 to 15, you know, maybe even 24 months to move them from concept to funded reality. That requires significant investment of time. It requires significant investment of capital. And, you know, if we're not understanding the needs of our clients, you know, well into the future, uh, we're doing them a disservice. So this is why if you see me on social media, there's not many pics of me behind a desk. But you'll see a lot of pics of me in the mud, maybe in a field, on a river, in a little boat, or in a small community. Because for us, that's where banking is done. That's where trade happens. And that's where our bank needs to be to understand the needs of our clients. So in summary, at Cush today, we see an industry that needs to continue to grow and mature. No doubt about that. And we're fighting daily to do that. International standards at a local level is our focus. Customer service that is second to none. Access to affordable, and I will stress, responsible levels of credit for our clients. 
and international linkages with groups and 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 uh, multilaterals like IFC, Afrexum, and others who can help us open markets and capital sources. We're focused on building the SME sector, particularly, as I mentioned, with women and youth, and of ensuring that we're building relevant products and services that can truly help a nation grow. That was Ryan O'Grady, CEO of Kush Holdings, and also the acting CEO of Kush Bank, South Sudan. Quick review of the other stories making it into the podcast. The economy of Uganda advanced by 4.9% year on year in the second quarter of 2022, following a downwardly revised 5.1% rise in the previous three-month period. It's the sixth consecutive quarter of economic expansion driven by improved momentum in agriculture activity with solid growth observed in all sub-activities. Output also increased faster in industry, mainly boosted by mining and quarrying and manufacturing. At the same time, the services sector gained some traction driven by public administration, trade and repairs, real estate, finance and insurance, and also information and communication. Mining production in South Africa fell by 5.9% year-on-year in August of 2022 after a downwardly revised 8.2% slump in the previous month and almost in line with the market forecast of 5.95% contraction. It marks the seventh consecutive month of falling mining activity as strikes and the ramp up of load shading in the country have weighed heavily on the energy intensive sector. The largest negative contributors were PGMs, gold and iron ore. Output also decreased for copper, diamonds and coal. On a seasonally adjusted monthly basis, mining production stalled following an upwardly revised 3.1% rise in the prior month. The annual inflation rate in Namibia eased marginally to 7.1% in September of 2022 from an over five-year high of 7.3% in August, mainly due to a slight a slowdown in prices of transport. Meanwhile, costs accelerated further for food and non-alcoholic beverages, restaurants and hotels and miscellaneous goods and services. On a monthly basis, consumer prices edged up by 0.1% after increasing 0.3% in the previous month. Thank you for always waking up with us. Good Morning Africa is a product of the K Financial. If you have any suggestions or you just want to check out more stories, visit our website, that is thekfinancial.com and don't forget to subscribe. You can also find us on all social media platforms at the K Financial and you can find me at Withadong. With